Hi guys, welcome to Midlife Crisis, your gaming podcast brought to you by the Middle Age Gamers. As per usual, hosted by me, Francis, my trusty companion. And me, Daniel. And, and me. Oops. <laughs> and me, oops. Is that your name? Is that your name now, is it? It might be. And me, Ben. There we go. So Ben's back from last week. Uh, this t- this week we're going to be talking about movie tying games. Uh, we will go over the usual housekeeping things like news and the games that we're playing, uh, and then we'll kick straight into uh, the main theme of today's podcast. So um, I don't think nothing's changed uh, with regards to my gaming schedule. I'm still playing No Man's Sky and really liking it, apart from the fact that it makes my PlayStation sound like a jet. Um, Still playing Fortnite, um, still <laughs> absolutely addicted to it. Uh, but I did, after uh, listening back to the podcast that we were speaking about uh, last week uh, and seeing all the games that are going to be releasing at Christmas time, I started playing Rise of the Tomb Raider again, loaded up my old save. I'm about 27%, it said, uh, into it. And I forgot how great that game was. Uh, visually, it's incredible. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider just before Christmas. Um, what about you, Dan? Anything new this week? Uh, I haven't been playing anything. I've conducted a serious scientific experiment. Um, Destiny 2, they put out the new update, um, which is so interesting that I can't even remember what it's called. Um, <laughs> It's something, something to do with heroes. It's not Solstice of Heroes, that was it. So I thought I'd download Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, uh, have an hour on each, and at the end, uh, think have a think about whether I felt like it was worth going back to Destiny 2 and playing a little bit. And uh, so no, it's not. Basically, it's really not. a bit like sort of um, a drug addict who's been in... Uh... Re- rehab and recovery for a long time you kind of thought you'd dabble back in just to see if it was worth sort of becoming addicted to destiny again but your results are in and it's an is it a solid no this time or it's it's a solid no um i mean they, they put some new content in there for um the this this solstice of heroes event um but really it's just taking an armor set that you already had a green armor set upgrading it for um however many hours of play mm-hmm. and you get uh, a leveled up uh, purple armor set and you kind of think yeah destiny. no i'm not investing in that it's yeah. basically destiny yeah uh, what about you yeah. ben what have you been playing this week um not a lot really it's mainly Fortnite. so i mean you've been playing a lot of Fortnite. um we're getting better. I must say, we, we are actually getting better at the game. Um, we were playing just before uh, recording today, and we managed to come third in duos, which I was quite impressed with. Uh, we both managed to get a couple of kills as well, instead of just hiding until the end and trying to get the win, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, so news of the week. Um, this week, nothing really major to talk about. Um, the main thing that sort of come out of the woodwork is, we've known it's been happening for a little bit of time, but... Xbox. Um, there was a, a few articles flying around the internet uh, this week about the the new Xbox, which is codenamed Scarlet. Um, basically, the news that's flying around is it's going to be, or potentially is going to be, 
uh, two hardware models. Uh, one that's going to be sort of mm. like a full fat version, uh, sort of like a massive set top box that's going to sit in front of your TV, similar to what the Xbox One is at the moment. But they're also potentially going down the line of like a slim down model that's going to be a stream only box. Um, what are your feelings about that, Dan? If it's going to be sort of um, two versions, one that potentially might be cheaper, but more so about them going down the route of streaming only. What do you reckon to that? Uh, the interesting thing about that was there was a line in there that said something about um, there won't be any games available on one that aren't available on the other. But I'd imagine if you're going down streaming and your bandwidth isn't fantastic, you may end up in a situation where you're looking at sort of a, a 720 presentation or 1080, uh, yeah. hopefully, um, whereas the other box is, is getting native 4K. So really, it's kind of similar, apart from the streaming, to playing on Xbox One versus Xbox One X. Yeah, so I think the main thing that the Xbox might have going for it is the fact that it's got the Game Pass and you've got that sort of library that you might have access to. Um, the main sort of problem, in my opinion, is the fact that the internet isn't great all over the world. Obviously, if you're in a cave in mm. Afghanistan, you ain't going to be playing that Xbox. But a lot of people play consoles in sort of like Eastern Europe. Australia is known for terrible bandwidth, uh, data caps, terrible speeds. So... In theory, if they release the two versions, you've got that option, but you ain't going to get 4K, 60 frames per second streaming. There is no way near that the world is sort of ready for that. What are your ideas on, on streaming at the moment, Ben? Is it good for you or is it yay or nay? Um, it depends, really. I reckon most people are just getting in. Like, streaming, with the, I've noticed it's better on the Xbox anyway with the Game Pass because it downloads to your console. Yeah. Unlike PlayStation now, which is completely streaming. Yeah, I think the experience that I've had... You might have a blip in your internet one day. Yeah. It might be perfect, anything else. Someone comes in, connects the laptop to the Wi-Fi, and then you might not be able to play it. So it's not really a brilliant idea. No, I think my, my main thought is that the world isn't ready for it. Um, especially the fact that you mentioned PlayStation Now. I've had a few goes on it. The The first time I played uh, any game on PlayStation Now was the month before Fallout 4 came out. I had nothing to play, so I thought I had a free month. I might as well try it. I think I played Ratchet Clank. Um, I think it's Into the Nexus, it's called, and I got the Platinum for it. Mm-hmm. And that game was fine because there wasn't any sort of fast movements you needed. There was obviously the platform elements, but you could take your time. But I think after that, I tried... Killzone 3, I think it was, and it was awful. Like, the connection kept dropping. I had to keep loading up PlayStation Now and then going into the game, and it loaded into a menu. And, like, it was... And my internet's good. Like, don't get me wrong, I've got 200 megabytes a second, and it's it's consistent, but for that, it was just absolutely awful. And on live tried to do it 10 years ago, and that was way ahead of its time, and nobody was ready for it then, and I still don't think people are ready for it now. So, Netflix... That's what the game class is better. Yeah, and it makes sense if the Scarlet comes out and you can download games even on the cheap set-top box where it's just a streaming box, if it has like a small hard drive in it that you can download one or two games at a time, that might work. But is it going to be that? Is it going to be cheap? That's the question. And are we ready? No, no. no. Are we ready for a new console cycle or or generation? That's another question. Well, it's been six years, isn't it, We'll probably hear more at E3 next year, and then and then it'll be a year after that or, or so. 
Yeah, um, and and it and it may be a preview at that point anyway, like a, a a sort of a theory presentation. Potentially, I think what Xbox have got going for them now is they're on the back foot in this generation. They had a good E three uh, this year. And I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes they made when they first announced the Xbox One. It was a case of like, oh, the, the DRM is going to be there. It's always going to be online. And people were just sort of like, we don't want that. We're going to go to PlayStation. Yeah. You kind of like burn your bridges then, now. This streaming box will always be online. So they're practically doing what they fucked up with E3 2013. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. they're offering a choice, aren't they? That's the, that's the difference. And I think that's what it comes down to. If that choice is there and the streaming box is, say it comes out $149.99 or $200 in the US, people are probably going to go, oh, I probably could stretch that. If it came out at like 500 quid, people are just going to be like, no, we ain't, we ain't going to bother with that. Unless the set-top box version is 100%, 4K, 60 frames per second. They've got loads of first-party studios on board now. If they release loads of games, people might jump on board. But I think Sony are just going to sit there with a feet up, with a bag of popcorn, basically saying, go on, Microsoft, do it again. See what you got. And then they're going to go, we're <laughs> going to do the complete opposite to you, and everybody's going to come to us again. So we'll see on that one, I think. Um the next part of news uh, that came out, I think it came out today, um, which was quite interesting. Uh, and I know me and Ben, many times have we played computer games and we've discussed this upon length, uh, is Tekken 7 have announced the uh, the new season pass and they're adding Negan from The Walking Dead into the game. What do you reckon to that, Ben? Oh, Tekken, so I didn't even realise there's a new Tekken game out, to be honest. <laughs> it's gone, it must have gone that under the radar. Yeah, so I think adding Negan to the game will be a bit weird because Mortal Kombat did it great. Yeah, Mortal Kombat had some several characters. (laughs) Maybe, but I think Soul Calibur goes down the lines of having sort of well, they had they had Link, didn't they, on the GameCube version, and they sort of yeah, they had Darth Vader as well. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I think. It speaks for itself there that Ben basically said, like, he didn't even know Tekken 7 was out. And I think that's my feeling as well. Like, I've I kept my mm. eye on the game just waiting for the price to drop for it. I'm not a big fighter game, but I think more so the fact that I'm a big Walking Dead fan, it kind of intrigued me to see how Negan would play out. You don't see him in the trailer. Uh, the only thing that happens in the trailer, I think the trailer's about three minutes long, and at the very end you hear Negan's classic whistle. Um and you kind of see a silhouette of the uh, of Lucille, his baseball bat, and then it kind of says, like, Negan is now in Tekken 7, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, it's one of those things. Tekken. Say that again, Ben? I used to love Tekken, though, back in the day, on, like, PS1 and PS2 era. They were the best fighting games for me. Oh, yeah. Without, I think Tekken 3 was my life uh, when I was sort of 10 years old. I remember... Yeah, tag tournament. Tech. Yeah, and tag, tag, uh, tag tournament on the uh, the PS2 was great. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, if they release like a game of the year edition with all the DLC at a cheap price, I might pick it up just to see what Negan's like. Um, of all, all that, I just probably watch it on uh, on YouTube on a Let's Play. But looking forward to the new Walking Dead season after watching the trailer. So hopefully they uh, they dig themselves out of a grave and actually do something decent with it. But we'll see on that one. I found some news scooping around yesterday. Where were you scooping? Where was the scoop? Um, 
it was just flicking through a Capcom page and they've announced if they Resident Evil 2 remake takes off really well like it has for the pre-orders mm. they are considering remaking old classic Capcom games oh, okay that could be interesting because so, so it can be a new Castlevania or something like that along the lines yeah because the sort of like the the Metroidvania uh, genre as it's called now um is very popular and there's loads of sort of indie developers are jumping on that but if Capcom are willing to invest the money that they've done with Resident Evil 2 um there's loads of different Capcom um games that I wouldn't mind sort of the re-releasing so that'd be interesting to see especially with the um the Resident Evil 7 engine that they're using it's a really good versatile engine so it'd be interesting to see what the rumor is they are working on one at the moment which is Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. That Apparently they're working on that. That's not my favourite game, but I think if they turned it around in the new engine, it could be quite interesting. What What are your feelings on new Capcom games, Dan? Um, Capcom's a, a funny one. They um they announced, they, they made a statement today, so I think it was today anyway, saying that um, they would rather get um, critical acclaim than make sales. Um, now, I imagine some of the developers would rather have everything highly rated and, you know, like that. But they're investors and, and people like that. They've got to make money or, the, or they don't work as a company. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And it's probably where the fan favourites are, things like Castlevania and, and stuff that you mentioned, Ben. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to see. I, yeah, I don't think... Uh, Dino Crisis, like... please. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. I'd be up for that, especially with the uh, next-gen graphics. That'd be incredible. But they, they're not going to put all their eggs in one basket. I'm sure they've got a lot of money um, from past sales of things like Street Fighter and Resident Evil, so I'm sure they'll be fine. Um, the last bit of news uh, before we move on to the main segment of uh, today's podcast is uh, a little snippet of news that came out a couple of hours ago is that... Um, They're making a Netflix series uh, of The Witcher, um, but I think it's based more on the books than it is on the computer games, but they're obviously going to tie everything together because people know the games more so now than they do the books. But uh, Henry Cavill, Mm -hmm. who is famous for playing Superman most recently, he's been in the new Mission Impossible film as well. Um, In an interview, I think it was with IGN, um, or it might have been somebody else, but either way, he's basically said that he is peaked in interest uh, and he he wants to play Geralt in in the Witcher series so um what what do you what, would you reckon he play a good Geralt from the things that you've seen him be in I think it could work he he's got that kind of um sinister but still a good guy kind of um look uh yeah yeah it could work yeah because I know um Mission Impossible, the latest one, I think it's Mission Impossible 7, has critically gone down really, really well. uh, And he plays a bad guy in that. So it'd be interesting to see if he could translate to that sort of role. Uh, I know Mads Mikkelsen was dubbed the favourite to be him, but obviously nobody signed on yet. So so I think it's a a watch this space. You never know, Superman. The problem is with superhero films is they get tight cast. Yes. Yeah, I think... He hasn't kind of been shoehorned into that box just yet. Obviously, he was in The Man From U.N.C.L.E., um, which was more of like a spy-based film, a uh, Mission Impossible spy again. So he's, yeah, he's he's getting pushed into those action roles. So whether it would work being in a Witcher series for him or not, um, 
we we can only see, but I'd rather it be him than somebody like Mark Wahlberg or Jason Statham or something stupid like that, which Hollywood seems to do nowadays. So. <laughs> Jason Statham in a white wig. Hmm. Well, he's still worse. It depends on someone that knows The Witcher in and out. If you get what I mean, because yeah, for I... like to put off a game into a TV series, you need to know it inside out. I think when. In the interview, he basically was talking about his um, his childhood and what he grew up with. And I think he mentioned something like he used to be into like Dungeons and Dragons and he's a very strong sort of RPG player. So he plays games in his spare time. So I think that's the reason he sort of piqued his interest. So it may be a case that he's played those games and he loves them because you always find, especially moving on to the topic of the uh, the podcast, which is quite fitting really, Whenever they sort of put actors into sort of game to films, you can tell for a fact that they've never played those games before. They haven't researched the characters, and you've got like the fans basically going, "Oh, what, what, what were the studio thinking?" So, watch this space. Hopefully, Superman will do a good job of being Geralt Rivia. Um, so yeah, so main story or focus of this podcast is movie tie-in games. So we're going to be covering games that have become movies or movies specifically that have become games the good the bad obviously the ones that we enjoyed the most um so yeah so the main i suppose if we kick it off with the few ones that we want to speak about obviously the ones that we've enjoyed in the past um which 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 ones specifically did you want to talk about dan uh so enjoyed in the past um I think one that, that really stood out to me was Tron 2.0. Uh, now, that came out for, must got to be like early 2000s. And uh, it, it when you think of the time that had passed since the Tron film came out, and this is before the new Tron films came out, um, and they, they brought out a game. And the people who were who made that game must have really loved the source material because it started off with you getting digitized into the game and then um there was the uh you, you were sort of trapped in there um and and the, the sort of neon edges and that whole aesthetic about it was just brilliant and and that really stood out as a, a good um game of a film to me what format was it on it was on pc um, and I believe it used the same engine as, um, I think it was Unreal, actually. Um, like the original, the original came, Unreal engine? I think it was Unreal 2 engine. Yeah. Uh, but it never came to any consoles. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely excellent. Really good. It, it was in a style of a first-person shooter, but it used the uh, the weapons that uh, and expanded on the weapons that you would get in the the Tron film. So there was the throwing disc, and uh, they they added like some rifles and things like that as well. Yeah, oh, cool. Because famously, I think I can remember uh, watching the the last to the, like the latest Tron film. Obviously, when Disney took over the franchise. Um, and they released, I think it was Tron Evolution, uh, and that game was god awful on the PS3. Um, I think <laughs> it's it's a fan favorite because I have a feeling that the platinum was quite easy to get. So sales wise, it's probably done quite well in its lifetime. But but yeah, it's one of those games where yeah, classic movie tie-in game that was awful. But it's good to hear that obviously that Tron Two Point was good. Um, what what's, what's oh, your... oh, oh 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 oh. I've just looked it up, and um, 
I I thought it had a link to it, but um, it uses it didn't use the Unreal Engine. It used the LiftTech engine. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think I have. So LiftTech was used in um, the uh, No One Lives Forever games, and oh, um, are those the wow. um, the the female James Bond ones? Is that are those ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. those are really and, good. And do you know what? That's almost a, a movie game as well because it's almost like Austin Powers kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it they did Alien versus Predator in that one. And um, in the most recent use of it, or one of the last uses of it that I know of, I mean, Fear was in that engine as well. Oh, okay. Um, but, but it was repurposed and reworked in 2014, and, and again in 2017, for the Middle-Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and Shadow of War games. So it's the same engine, still being used, but it's been iterated on and worked on. Ah, that makes sense, because obviously... Warner Brothers Studios did Shadow of War, didn't they? Um, and I have a yep. feeling them and Monolith did Fear as well, so it would make sense. A bit like the uh, the Call of Duty engine, they sort of batter it to death, but they kind of add to it just to make try and make it look better. So that's sorry, did you just say Monolith there? I think I did. did. Yeah, Monolith were the people that did Tron 2.0. Yeah. Ah, cool. So yeah, so obviously <laughs> I would assume then Monolith back in the day created that engine, and they obviously have retained it and then worked upon it over the past sort of 15 years, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the lift engine. Monolith. Yeah, must be. Ah, ah. I was going to say two plus two is six then, and that just goes show to... uh, It truly is, yes. Yeah, my mad math skills. (laughs) So um, what was the the, the one that you wanted to speak about first, Ben? Um, Spider-Man 2. Oh, that was one of mine. We should have, like, yeah, we should have, like, spoke about this podcast before we actually started recording. But, yeah, okay. Then, <laughs> yeah. Let me just grab a pen and just mark this one off my list. But, yeah, carry on, Ben. Okay, Spider-Man 2, I think, is probably the greatest movie-tying game. I don't know, of all time, I don't know if it's because of my age when it came out, but I just love Spider-Man. And it was... Uh, so realistic for back in the day you actually had to swing onto buildings and stuff it was faithful to the the um, material of the film especially with the pizza bloody deliveries yeah. <laughs> they used to wind you up but there is one bad thing about that game that really annoyed me yeah you get worked up to fight Mysterio and it t- turns out it only takes one punch yeah I think I remember that <laughs> I think Obviously, I was I was going to speak about Spider Man Two as well because I remember it sort of vividly from my childhood being one of those games where, especially in the PS Two sort of original Xbox era, there weren't many games that kind of like immersed you and made you feel like the character. And the one thing that I got from the Spider Man Two game is like, especially the traversal through the city and you doing like the web slinging and all that sort of stuff. Like it really made you feel like you were Spider Man, which was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. I used to just spend hours jumping off the Empire State Building, see how close I could get to the <laughs> ground before I swung away. I think I think it it really showed. Well, I suppose with Spider-Man Two, there'd been a couple of Spider-Man games beforehand, and what they were doing was perfecting what they'd seen happen before and making it just the best version they could. Um, and and I think the developers must have been real Spider-Man fans, which I but think it's not been done gonna... since. Well, I think it was the one in September. September, yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah. you know who developed Spider-Man 2? So they got Activision. Yeah. So you know who developed Spider-Man 2? It was Treyarch. Yes. Treyarch yes. went on Call of Duty. And yeah. yeah. I think after that they made, I want to say, the big red one, the Call of Duty game. And then... Yeah, I think so. I think then they went on from there. But, but yeah, as a franchise, obviously Spider-Man's amazing. Everybody loves Spider-Man. But... Um, Insomniac have basically sort of said that they've they, they've taken a lot from from that game specifically and and known what people want from a Spider-Man game. So fingers crossed, the one in September is going to knock everybody's socks off and it's going to be the best thing ever. And yeah, I, I to be fair, I can't wait to play the new Spider-Man that game that comes out. I've got mine pre-ordered. <laughs> See, I was listening. I was listening to something the other day and. I've got two PlayStation 4s in my house. I've got the original launch PlayStation, which sounds like it's launching every time I launch it, and the uh, the PlayStation Slim, which, weirdly enough, is about three months old, and there's certain games, like God of War and No Man's Sky, like, once those games get going, like, it's, like the fans take off, it's, it's really annoying. But after seeing that red PlayStation 4 Pro, I don't have a Pro yet. I don't have a 4K TV, but I kind of want a Pro just to say that I've got a Pro. But I really wanted that PlayStation. I, I hate red. I hate the colour red. But just after seeing that PlayStation, I was kind of like, oh, do I get an Amazon? It's a bit bright, though, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the problem with those custom consoles is nine times out of ten, your console is lying flat on a surface. For me, I've got two small children, so... Obviously, we're all dads here. We all understand the principle of, like, if your kid gets hold of your PlayStation, like, it's going to be fucked at the end of the day. So my PlayStation is seven foot on a shelf. Nobody can reach it and nobody can see it. So would I benefit from the aesthetics of it being red with a pretty Spider-Man logo on? Probably not. Does that make it make me want it any less? No, of course not. I still, I still yeah. want that PlayStation Pro really, really badly. But you, have no take it out. Out. you could hold it and you could stroke it and say, my precious... Yeah, but then I'm sure if I came home through the door with this brand new PlayStation, I'd be like, guess what I bought to my wife? And she'd be like, you better not have bought another she, PlayStation 4. And I'd be like... Argh. She'd love you even more. Do you reckon? She would. Do you reckon? She'd love that, you even more, yeah. Is that the relationship test, is it? Come home with a bright red PlayStation, and if she says, what the hell's that? I'd be like, it's Spider-Man. It's got Spider-Man on it. What's wrong? They are, they've done red a few times, though. They did it with the Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, that was game more, is red and gold. It was a bit more sort of like burgundy red, though, wasn't it? It wasn't like in your face, like super, super no. Lamborghini, Ferrari red, sorry. So, but yeah, I'm not going to get that for the PlayStation either way. So, um, so <laughs> there's a few games that I put on my list. Um, I'm not going to go through them all because we'll be here all night. Um, my one game, uh, sort of the main game that I really wanted to mention. Um, that I really enjoyed on the PS3 was the Chronicles of Riddick game. Do you guys ever play that one? Yes, because Vin yeah. Diesel actually makes it. Yeah, apparently it, there's a it's studio. He's got a game studio or something. And I think I, I, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I'm sure he mentioned he wanted to make another one or something of a similar sort of thing. So the thing I got from the first one because they made two. Um, it reminded me a lot of Doom 3 because it came out just after Doom 3 and I can't imagine it probably was in the same engine because it looked quite similar, but I expected it to be absolutely dog-awful, but it was actually one of those games that was really in-depth. The stealth mechanics were real cool. Um, the fact that it was like a first person, but every time you did the, this weird healing thing where 
there was like two needles that went into your neck. Um, you could see Vin Diesel and you're like, oh, it's Vin Diesel. Um, and he's done a couple of games, actually. He did the Wheelman game on the PS3 and Xbox 360, which was terrible. Um, but this, yeah, this game was real good. Um, considering the fact that the movie Pitch Black was good. Uh, the Chronicles of Riddick was a bit meh. And then Riddick came after that, and that was a bit meh as well. So it's one of those games that was probably actually better than the film. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that, yeah. Uh, what else have I got on my list? So <laughs> franchise-wise, um, the main thing when you talk about sort of movie tying games is a lot of franchises had games that were tied to them. A lot of them went under the radar. A lot of them were rubbish. A lot of them were just tacked on just to make money. So like the Harry Potter games, there was loads of those and none of them were very good. Apart Batman and Robin game. Batman and Robin games. There is actually a Batman game that I wrote on my list, which was the the game that came after the first uh, Tim Burton film um, was on the, um, the Amiga. I had it on the Amiga and that was really good. Like, if you go back and play it now, it's quite a primitive game, sort of side-scroller, and you can sort of jump up levels, and you you had, like, the bat, um, the swingy device, I can never remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that. That was really cool. Like, in, in the days where movie tying games weren't really a major thing, um, there was a few that came before it that were dog-awful. Um, Robocop was another one that was also on the Amiga, um, that was really good. So back in the old school days, before you had cartridges and Segas and the Nintendos and stuff, like they weren't too bad. But after that, they sort of like came thick and fast. Like Star Wars, there was loads of Star Wars games. There are a few good Star Wars games, so I'm not going to sort of knock them all. But you had things like Pod Racer, which was amazing, and loads of like the Episode Ones weren't weren't great. Oh, but we discussed Pod Racing in the arcade was the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, I think movie tie-in games worked really well in arcade boxes, but not so much sort of like in the home sense of the console. But we were talking about Jedi Power Battles the other day, weren't we? And that was an amazing game. Yeah, that was a good game, yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. Um, but one movie tie-in game which we have to discuss if we're talking about these sort of things that was traditionally or which probably voted the worst game of all time can you guess what it is? Worst game of all time. Worst um, game of e- all e- time. Go on, go on. I got it. E.T. Yes. E.T. Yes. So that's... I wrote a list of good ge- I wrote a list of good games before we recorded tonight, and I wrote a list of bad. There's about 10 to 15 good games, and there is literally one bad game that I wrote, because I didn't need to talk about any other bad games. So... E.T. on the Atari is probably voted the worst game of all time. So bad that every cartridge in existence, unless you've got a copy and it's probably worth a lot, basically got sent to landfill and got buried underground. It's been digged up, did you know that? Yeah, so they did a a documentary uh, about the the, the whole fiasco of the game and then burying them and then them digging them up, but... I don't think a game ever came as bad as that. Unless you have a it worse is. game that you want to mention. The Back I to the Future did. game on the Atari. That, that was, Atari had some real stinkers, though. You know, oh, and, and that's why N- Nintendo did better, because they had better quality control in the long run. Yeah, so... <laughs> It's it's a hard call on Atari because they were pretty much like the first mainstream console or like home machine to come. Um, 
so yeah, they, they were kind of testing the waters and obviously the Amiga and the Amiga, uh, the C64, the Spectrum, all those sort of things, the Amiga 500 came, but console wise, don't forget the Atari ST. And the Atari ST, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that they were doing a Kickstarter for an Atari sort of like home, uh, like mini console, which has kind of been a major fiasco and they're kind of like robbing people's money and all this sort of thing and they're not actually making them and that, that's, yeah. another, that's a story for another day. But, but yeah, when the NES came, um, obviously they, they kick-started the, the home console generation in a mainstream way, didn't they? And sort of like loads of games came out in that era and... Nintendo have done quite well, um, and it wouldn't be a podcast talking about movie times if we didn't mention GoldenEye on the N64, which, yeah. in my personal opinion, is probably one of the best movie tying games ever made. It's not necessarily oh. that great a game, but the nostalgia that it brings back to most people that you discuss it with, like, I can, I can stretch out now and grab the cartridge. I still got the cartridge, but um, yeah, one of the best multiplayer games as well. Yeah. Without a doubt, I think everybody who plays computer games probably has multiple stories about going around to somebody's house, staying up until four a.m., uh, like eating loads of Doritos or probably Watsits or Cheetos, depending on what country you come from, drinking loads of uh, fizzy pop, and uh, rushing to pick odd job just because you could crouch and nobody could shoot in the head. That was the best thing in the world. <laughs> So oh, you was one of them dirty players. Yes, you? yes, I was one of them. Slaps only, as our job. Nobody could hit you. It's the best thing. You had to, you had to do it, unless you're playing like man with a golden gun, and then like it just was irrelevant who you picked. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had a few. Um, so I usually sort of send it out before we uh, we go live uh, with regards to the group that we're all part of. Um, and a few people sent me a few questions. I'm just going to pull them up. So whilst I pull them up, do you guys want to discuss any other games that you wanted to mention? Yeah. Um, Die Hard. Oh, you go first, then. Oh, no, you, you've said it already. Go with Die Hard. Uh, Die Hard Trilogy. I reckon that was such a good game when I, because it tied into the all three movies. The first one, you just used to go around in Tory Plasm and just kill people. Second diode bit was in the um, airport, but the third one, I can remember, it was like playing taxi driver, but you had to get to other locations before the bombs blew up. Mm. And I used to just have hours of fun running around and doing that as a kid. Yeah, I used to love that game. I think Die Hard of Vengeance is probably my most favourite Die Hard film. Um, controversial choice. I know the first one's amazing, the second one's crap, but the third one was great. Just because oh, Samuel Jackson's the best, I think. Nah, come on, come on. Right, that's it. That's, it, an, that's, it. that's it. We're going to stop this podcast it, right now and we're going to fight, even though Ben's like 100 miles away from us. I'm even. I'm just going to yeah. fight you about which Die Hard... Why, why do you think Die Hard 2 is better than the first or the third? Go on. I think Die Hard 2 is better just generally because I liked it more as a kid. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's a bit more brutal. Yeah, yeah. They definitely up the ante. Stuff like that. Yeah, I think they tried to make it more in your face, didn't they? Um, and Die Hard with a Vengeance was more like a thinking man's film, more so than the action or the uh, sort of like the violence. Um, 
And it's the one I can remember my mum watching the most because my mum likes Bruce Willis. Ah, cool. Um, yeah, a sad thing. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before that uh, Bruce Willis did an interview and he said that Die Hard was not a Christmas film. And I was just sort of like, yeah, you're dead to me now, Bruce. Like, Die Hard 1 it is, is a the film. best Christmas film of all time. And if, if you say it's not a Christmas film, you're a liar. You're a liar, Bruce. <laughs> so yeah, it made me sad. It made me sad. Um, so yeah, uh, after that weird tangent, um, the the few questions that we had, we've kind of covered already. Um, uh, Graham sent in uh, what's been the worst and the best game movie titles, and we've kind of covered that as we've gone on. Uh, obviously, E.T. being the worst. Uh, I know the I worst got... movie from a game, though. Yep, go on. Probably Assassin's Creed. I would say Doom. Yeah, oh, that's that's the that, that's such a uh, all right. The one of the other questions that we got was pretty much the um, the worst uh, games or that movies that have been turned into movies from games. So yeah, if we start there, so Assassin's Creed, yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough call. Um, I've seen it twice. I actually fell asleep the first time I watched it. Um, I didn't know if I had like a weird copy because there wasn't any subtitles when they were speaking Spanish. Um, and I was just thinking, what the, what the hell's going on? Why is Michael Fassbender doing this? It's like, such a terrible fit for the film. But why did you think it was so bad? Well, just because it wasn't a, an Assassin's Creed film, really. Yeah. I don't think. I think they tried to rip off more of The Matrix. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I suppose they had... They had a few elements, didn't they? The whole, like, the hidden blade at the beginning where he gets his finger chopped off and I was kind of like, yeah, at least they've explained that to people who wouldn't understand. But I think the problem with those sort of movies, especially that the there's such a major following for the games and there's been so many games, it's like there's so much they could have done right, but they just seem to make all the wrong choices. And what I didn't like about it, it wasn't actually based on anyone from the games. No, yeah, so that was a it risk. Was so, like, new. I think if anybody went into it saying, like, who should we plan it around, like, most people would have said Ezio, and that would have made sense. There's, like, three games that they could have drawn their opinions on and their ideas, and, like, he's a good character in the games. Like, he's he's a bit sleazy, he's funny, that sort of thing. Like, that could have worked, but Fassbender just sort of, like, did it too serious. There was no comedy element at all. No. You say about the Doom film, Dan? Yeah, Dan mentioned Doom. Yeah, that that was pretty poor, yeah. Um, Didn't you like it? Oh, come on, yeah. don't say you like that. <laughs> the, um, no, I haven't I watched it since... I've watched it once when it first came out. And it, I still like wrestling bizarre. back in the day, a... so I thought it'd be The Rock. Yeah, it's amazing it's to think weird, that weird it was one of The Rock's first films and now he's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Like... To go from from that to what he does now, not not saying that the movies he does now are any better, but obviously he's he's like number one in Hollywood, isn't he? So, but yeah, the the first person bit in Doom at the end is just like, oh god, they're actually doing this. They're actually gone into first person. I was like, what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> one of mine. Um, well, I would have been a lot younger when that film came out compared to you guys. Oh, there so. it is. He's thrown in the thrown in the towel already, yeah. and that's it. We're old. So we've, we're aspens. We must have stop. <laughs> to be fair, in He's saying that, I've got, a Zimmer fra- I've got a Zimmer frame in my loft. So if we keep going down this, I'm after to get it out. I should get it out of the loft and just just perch on my uh, on my Zimmer frame. 
So I'm more on about Dan than you, Frank, because you're oh, not that much older than me. Okay, that's right. <laughs> there you go. Dan, Dan's old. But, um, that is true. One of my favourite films that was from a game is the the original Mortal Kombat film, and for so many reasons, I can t- like. It's not a great film. It's not. It's not. It's a fun film, but it's not great. Which in one's any... the first one? The best one. The only. The only one that exists. So it's the one with Christopher Lambert, who was in Highlander. If that helps you. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, he was Raiden or something. He was Raiden. Yeah. So the yeah. reason the, the reason why I like this film is because it's like the first fifteen film that I saw when I was like eight years old or seven or whatever, and I probably shouldn't have watched it. Um, I remember sort of mentioning to my mum at the time that I kind of enjoyed the music. It was the first time I'd experienced any form of like metal music or trance music, dance music, that sort of thing. Um, And I remember that it was either my birthday that year or that Christmas, my mum bought me the cassette tape, which is the first ever cassette tape I ever owned. Um, Weird tangent, the first cassette single I ever owned was uh, To the Moon and Back by Savage Garden, but we won't go into that one. but on turtle power. Yeah, on the uh, to be fair, the first the first CD album I ever owned was uh, Jagged Little Pill, Alanis Morissette. So she kind of steered me in the right direction with the CDs, just not so with the cassettes. But on the on the cassette, the they had loads of trance uh, on there. There was a little bit of metal um, and. Uh, Fear Factory. If anybody knows him, if anybody doesn't, check him out. Yep. Um, we're on that uh, on that cassette tape, and the first band I ever saw live was Fear Factory, um, which is a random story. But yeah, real good. And I know you kind of wanted to mention a never fighting film, Dan. If you want to slip in with that one, yeah, and it kind of brings us full circle because Street Fighter, the movie. Oh, the that's game. such a good film. So, well, that's the Ooh. thing. So you've got. It's silly. Street it's Fighter fun. 2. And then they made a film of it, which was so bad that perhaps it might be good. I'm not sure. Uh, and then they made, well, oh, yeah. they made a game out of the film, digitising the people in it, which ended up looking like Mortal Kombat, but playing like a bag of spanners. <laughs> so they ended up turning Street Fighter which had its own decent game, into a bad Mortal Kombat ripoff, which just is bizarre. Like, I mean, why not just re-release the game with a tooled-up you know, uh, image or something? And then they've made more Street Fighter games, and they're now making a new Street Fighter movie. Um, it, it's not a, a mainstream one. It's, it's, they, they've made a few, actually. They've done... Um, uh, one did, did you ever see it, Frank? And it was or, or Ben, and it was uh, Ryu and Ken training by a lake. And yeah, and that, 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 to be fair, that was really that cool. Was pretty good. And they did yeah. the same with the oh. um, with Mortal Kombat. They did like a web series, which kind of spawned. Um, it's been in development hell, and they kind of haven't decided where they're going with it. But they 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 kind of like making a new Mortal Kombat film. I think Ronda Rousey was going to be Sonya Blade, and there's a few of of jar michael white might be jacks or something like that so famous martial artists who have kind of delved into like acting are kind of gonna because it makes sense you kind of need people who can fight and kind of can't act but it it kind of would pass as acting but yeah so it makes no sense when uh game developers make a game 
that's an established franchise and then kind of try and change it to, to be something that it shouldn't be. Um, one good question that we got from uh, Tony James, uh, so thanks for Tony for sending this one is, is should films stick to the game plot and vice versa? So obviously we've, um, we've mentioned a few sort of films which kind of went off on a weird tangent, Assassin's Creed. So if a studio, a movie studio were to make a game, uh, a film based on a game, would it be a sensible idea for them to stick to the game plot for it to be successful? What do you reckon? Yes, it I, should. I, I disagree, because I think it's great if you can take elements in, right? But as long as you've got the same world, I think you can build around that. So, for example, uh, Battle for Middle-Earth was a really, really good RTS game uh, on PC. And uh, did they bring it to Xbox 360? And No, I don't think, don't think Middle-Earth did. They bought out... I might be wrong, but I know they bought out Conquest, which was wasn't an RTS. It's kind of similar, but it wasn't. But mm. I don't think the console could have really handled that sort of game. But it, it cut around from the different um, stories of of Middle Earth, and and it used different parts of it to tell a different story that was going on at the same time as the films, and and I think that can be really really good because um, you can you can you. you we all know that films often begin development with one plan, one um, script, and then by the end of it, they've they've developed it, changed it, and, and things come out differently. Um, if you're building the game at the same time as the film, then that can lead to disparities and, and a bit of development hell for the video game. But if you take a slightly different slant, I think you can you can develop something really good at the same time that sits alongside the film. I think it, um, I think it all depends on the game slash film itself. I think the thing with like the Lord of the Rings games is there's been loads of them. Like the Two Towers game, the Return of the King game on the PS2, they were incredible games. Uh, obviously, Shadow of Mordor um, and Shadow of War, those are great games. But the thing with that sort of franchise is there's a lot to it. There's a lot of lore. There's a lot of art. Obviously, the films came out so those sort of games can go in their own sort of tangent and still be faithful mm. to the source material, essentially, but they don't necessarily have to follow the plot because they don't have to because there's so much they can draw upon. But say a game like Tomb Raider and they made the films. So Angelina Jolie wasn't a great Lara Croft, in my opinion. That's my personal opinion. And I know a lot of people liked her. I haven't seen the new one, so I can't comment on the new one just yet. But after seeing the trades, I didn't think she was a, a good fit. But from the scenes that I've seen and the people I've talked about, it's quite sort of fateful scene by scene as the Tomb Raider reboot that came out. I think it's 2013. So yeah. the critics panned it. Critics said it was crap. Um, a lot of people said the film was crap. So did it work for that instance? I'm not too sure. I can't really think of any movie that's come out based on a game that has really followed a plot that closely? I mean, our only example is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2, however, it did pick up on key scenes from the film and it picked up on key things that happened, like pizza delivery and whatnot. Um, but it also expanded on it so much and took it in uh, into extra areas as well. Um, so I think as long as, as long as they're willing to play fairly loose with the content of the film that they're turning into a game or vice versa, then I think it can be done. But um, it, it, it is good to expand that world. 
Yeah, you think how many hours of, of gameplay do you get from a video game compared to the content in a film? Yeah, and I think it also go in the opposite direction. In what sense? In like, take the Resident Evil films for example. Yeah, yeah. They are totally. The first one is kind of faithful. Yeah. To the thing, <laughs> but they just goes in a weird direction with the character Alice. Yeah, I think. I think the problem with those films was probably more so the director wanted to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do with that series. Like, the beginning, like, the first one's real good. It's not amazing, but it's not bad at all. Like, the whole fact that she starts in the mansion and they go into the hive and, like, it's kind of contained in that one area and that kind of worked for that film and then as the sequels went on and they expanded and they're in the desert and they introduced claire and sort of jill and all these other characters it just kind of went off on a weird Mm -hmm. tangent and most people are thinking like oh the games kind of went on a weird tangent in a way um like four was completely different to five and five went quite off the rails and then six just turned into this weird action sort of game more so than a survival horror besides the leon campaign obviously um but yeah, similar with the Silent Hill game, like the first half of the the Silent Hill film, apart from the fact that they changed the gender of the main character, is pretty yeah. like scene by scene. Some of them are like are very close to the like the first PS One game, and I really liked that film because of that. And then they kind of like went and weird with the second one. That hence why they probably haven't made another one. So, um, one sort of topic that I kind of wanted to discuss before we we before we wrapped it up was what game if any game you could pick would you want to turn into a movie so if we let if you let you go first ben what do you reckon if you could have any game as a movie what would it be any game at all as a movie any any game any game apart from tetris which i think has actually been made into a movie but that's something else <laughs> tenchu maybe stealth assassin yeah that's a good choice yeah yeah yeah, so what be, sort of be interesting. what sort of plot would it have? Do you reckon? It'd have to be uh, like a Japan. I reckon it would have to be a Japanese-made film. Yeah, with with faithful actors. Like we're not whitewashing this one. Yeah, with, in, like Japanese. Yeah, not whitewashing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just the plot of a, a ninja of just not like fucking what's that stupid ninja film they brought out. Ninja Turtles. Three Ninjas Strike Back. Actually, Three Ninjas Strike Back is quite good, but... I have one. It's got Eddie Murphy in it, I think. But <laughs> I'll go back to it. Mulan? Mulan? No, not as a ninja. But oh, right. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the plot would be, obviously... I can't remember the guy's name from Tenchu. He'd have to have like a mission like he does in the game. And just it would have to be an R rated well, an eighteen film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grits. So like heavily violent, heavily like classic Japanese spray out the neck gore when like the heads get cut. Yeah, a bit sort of like Kill, I think it goes a bit like Kill Bill. Just less but westernized because I think less western. Yeah, I think the problem I found with Kill Bill, apart from the fact that it's a Tarantino film, um, was like it had a lot of good subject material. Obviously, he was trying to be faithful to the old school sort of like Japanese 
um, sort of Asian films. But yeah, like I, I just have a vendetta against Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, Tenchu would be great. Like, it, like I, there's not many I films. Can't, I only said that because I can't think of anything else really. Awesome. That's cool. No, that's cool. Um, what about you, Dan? What would I, what would you try and pick? I, I'm going to flip it on its head, and I want a film made into a game. Um, I'm thinking on the scale of like The Witcher or, or Skyrim, some enormous RPG, right? And and it would be uh, you'd have bodies of water to traverse, like large flat open plains, and it would be based on Honey I Shrunk the Kids, and, and you've got to get from one end of the garden to the other. Uh, and there's loads of places to visit and um, uh, and and things to to like ride on and you can like, yeah. tame ants and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, to be fair, to be... I don't think I don't think there's much scope. Uh, you know, there's not many people champing at the bit for a Honey I Shrunk the Kids video game. I think, but nostalgia think that, wise, the, yeah, the idea could be a real laugh. You know, doing a that that scale of the garden and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I think like if you could pull uh, Rick Moranis out of like hibernation, because um, obviously he quit acting uh, after his wife died to look after his kids, which is fair enough. Mm. Um, that would be amazing. Like if you could get the original cast uh, back in to do the voices. Obviously, the kids are a lot older now. Um, but yeah, that would be maybe, amazing. Like maybe do some other plot and have other kids shrunk in the garden as well that you have to find and bring them back. You know. Yeah, just, like you just could have sort of multiple gardens as well, couldn't you? Like it wouldn't necessarily have to be the original garden, even though it took them forever yeah. to get from one point to the other, didn't they? And like the whole scene where they're sleeping in the Lego block and all that sort of stuff. Like there's a lot of imagery which you could definitely make into a really good sort of concept for a game. Um, it yeah. wouldn't necessarily have to be action. It, you could you could turn it into like a survival game. There's so many different genres that that IP would probably fit into. That would be quite a good one, actually. Um, I'm just trying to think of what game that I... There's a few games that have sort of been hinted on turning into movies already, Uncharted being one of them. Um, I know the fact that like they were trying to turn Bioshock into a movie at one point, but the studio and the director basically said, like, to make a good film out of it, it would just... The budget would just be stupidly ridiculous, uh, considering the setting. Um, but if I was to pick any any game that I would turn into a film, it would probably be something like a Souls game. Um, probably like something like Bloodborne. Bloodborne would make an amazing film. I God yeah. knows what God knows what the plot would be, but it would be scary as hell, like if they did it properly. Like I just imagine these massive monsters being on sort of like a big IMAX screen, like coming towards you and all that sort of stuff in 3D and that would it would make an incredible movie. Would it be a good movie? I'm not too sure. It depends on how did how they did it, and I don't know how they'd be able to pull it off. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's nothing really that sort of jumps out at me that I would want them to ruin more so than anything else. Like The Last of no, Us. They said Uncharted. Yes. Yeah, I would be a bit scared they would try and turn it into a Tomb Raider ripoff in the movie form. Yeah, so you get what I'm coming from. Obviously, we, me and Dan discussed it before, but I'm not too sure if you saw the uh, the 15 minute short thing that they put on YouTube recently with um, Nathan Fillion. Did you see that, Ben? No. Yeah, Nathan Fillion is Nathan Drake. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So brilliant. It was. It was brilliant. It was. Yeah. So I'll I'll send you a link to it, Ben, after we finish, and you can watch that. But it kind of shows that it could be a good movie. But I know what you mean in the sense of if they if they go down the 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 crappy Tomb Raider route, it wouldn't work. But 
that game would work if people knew the source material. The same with most things in this sort of um, in this in this genre. Like you need to know the source material, and that's the be all and end all. Like if you don't like the game, don't bother making a movie. If you don't like the movie, don't bother making a game. Like if you're doing it for money, I get that. But um, another game that I actually forgot to mention was the Avatar game, but because I personally enjoyed it, even though it was crap. But yeah, we won't we won't get into that one. Um, but I'm sure. There's going to be loads more coming down the line, um, but it's something that seems to be dying um, in this day and age. There's not a lot of movie tying games anymore. Um, one game that I always wanted to see, whether they did it as a uh, like a Telltale style game or something similar, um, was a Goonie game, like a good Goonies game. I think that could work as as kind of a an, an action game as well, or or maybe a survival game, because you you could have them sort of getting down into the tunnels and things, and then it's it's where do you go? How do you get through all the traps and stuff like that? Yeah, um, but and then I, think, I suppose the Telltale would work as well. Yeah, I think the good thing about the Telltale games is the fact that you can shoehorn a lot of story um, with a, not a lot of player effort, um, but at the same time, like sometimes you just kind of want more from those games. These games are good, but like you get, they get old really quickly. Um, but I think the thing with the Goonies franchise is because there's so many different characters, uh, it would lend itself to a decent sort of co-op game where you're puzzle solving, whether they sort of played about with the, uh, the source material a little bit. And there was like, like one eyed oh. willies coming alive and like you're a fight in them. And oh, a Lego game. Or a Lego game, like yeah. Turn into a Lego game, yeah, because you got all the different characters, and you? you can like, swap between and all that malarkey. Well, they, they actually included a Goonies pack in the Lego Dimension set. Oh, did they? Yeah, with a level pack. Yeah, oh, so, so that's it, cool because it wasn't bad. That would have been my question with regards to like, is Goonies actually like a a, a standalone Lego sort of set in itself? Um, but yeah, that'd be cool. Um, So is there anything else that stands out that anybody wants to mention at all? I think we've sort of covered all the bases with regards to uh, people's questions um, online. I I think we've exhausted it. It'd be great if people could comment with uh, other films and games and stuff that they, uh, or, or film game link-ups that they, that they think were good or, or were dire or whatever, yeah, really. <laughs> cool. So, so yeah, so... With regards to obviously our podcast, we try and record uh, regularly every Monday. Uh, obviously, we all have kids, so things happen. Um, but we do have a Facebook page. Uh, so if you're not aware of that already, uh, link us up. Just search Middle Age Gamers on Facebook. Uh, obviously, our podcast is available uh, on different platforms. So if, say if you're listening on Spotify at the moment, we are available on Apple iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Anchor, uh, pretty much virtually every podcast service out there. So just check us out. Um, if you do have any ideas, any questions, any future topics that you want us to discuss, send us a message. We're always quick to reply. Uh, and we always like to hear what we, uh, the community wants to say about A, our podcast, and B, what we can do in the future. Um, so, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, it's been quite a good one this week, guys. So from me, it's goodbye. From and me, it's bye-bye. Goodbye. Uh, well, well, there's a bit of a, a, bit of a fight for who's going to uh, end the podcast there. So, yeah. I thought I'd let Ben have the last word, but you know. Well, no, he said you were old, Dan, so that's it. So Ben gets the last word this uh, this week. 
So yeah, until next time, guys. Cheers.